0: And turn in your Bibles now to Philippians, Chapter One, Verses One and Two. Is that eleven fifty four, Pam? 1164 in, in your pew Bible. As you turn there, I'm going to read just one verse from the book of Acts. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he was speaking to elders, just like we were today. He was speaking to elders, elders from Ephesus, Paul knows that he is probably going to be dying shortly. And here's what he had to say to them. In Acts chapter 20, verse number 24. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Turning now to Philippians, the same apostle who was speaking to the Ephesian elders is now writing to another church in another city called Philippi, and he's writing to the church, but he's also writing to the overseers and the deacons, recognizing how important their office is for the health and the well-being of the church. Verses number 1 and 2, let's continue now in the Word of God. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, in the same way that we always need your love. We desperately need your love. We need that which flows from your perfect love. We need your grace every day. Your grace. Help us today to be strengthened in your love and in your grace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The title of this message is The Grace of of God. Some time ago, I was speaking to a young man, and the subject came up with this young man about prayer. He wanted to talk to me about his prayer life, talk to the pastor about his prayer life. He says every morning when he gets up, he prays for others. He doesn't like praying for himself, he said. He likes to pray for others. He wants to, and that includes praying for his neighbors, and praying for his enemies, and he had a significant number of enemies, and some of them, sadly, were even in his own home, in his own household. Furthermore, this young man that I had talked to some time ago, he went on to tell me that in his prayers he would ask God, Why is my life like it is? If you're there, God, he would talk to God in his prayer, but he would sometimes talk as if he's still wrestling with whether or not somebody's there that he's talking to. He said, if you're there, God, why has my life been so messed up? From childhood, he had a really hard, hard life, way before he had any choice about it all. So this young man went on to say, but when I talk to God like that, I'm afraid because I am afraid of God. I'm afraid that when I pour out my heart like that and I ask him why my life is so hard, I'm afraid that he's going to punish me. And he's going to give me some real problems and say, you want to know what real problems are like? I felt for the young man. He's afraid of God. I want to talk to you today about grace. 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 After love, it's probably the second most beautiful word in the English language. My mother, or my grandmother, uh, her name was Grace, Grace Hoffmaster. What a pretty name. Two or three weeks ago, I preached to you about the love of God. I felt this was the most important thing for a Christian to grasp, is the love of God. How much He loves you. Today, I want to speak to you about the grace of God because flowing from the one who loves you so much is his grace. Grace flows from the love of God. And so we ask ourselves, but what is grace? What is grace? On Wednesday at our prayer meeting, we were considering the concept of grace. What is grace? There were some who were answering in such a way. It's a gift. That's what grace is. It's a free gift. It's an undeserved gift. It is favor, God's favor, divine favor. It's unmerited favor. You don't earn it. He just has favor on you. One astutely said that it is goodwill, God's goodwill. You see that at Christmas time, God's goodwill toward men. Some one said it's God's blessings. And that's an interesting thing because in, in the Christmas episode, according to John, he said from his fullness, from the fullness of Jesus, we have all received grace upon grace is what it says in some translations. But in another translation prominent in our day, it says from his fullness, we have all received blessing upon blessing, replacing the word grace with blessing. Another person said that grace is God ri- God's riches at Christ's expense. My favorite commentary that exists out there in all of history is Matthew Henry's. Matthew Henry in the 1500s explained grace this way. It's the free favor and goodwill of God. And all of the blessed fruits and the effects that are found in it. That's found in that grace. In that favor. Free favor. Goodwill. And all the blessed fruits... And effects that are in it. Now, there is such a term as common grace, God's favor, his gifts, common grace to all mankind. And you can see it in creation. When the sun rises and shines upon everybody, the good and the evil, when the rain falls upon the land, watering the crops for the good farmer and the evil farmer, it's a common grace. But that's not what's being addressed here today to the church of Philippi. This is a specific grace, a peculiar grace, an efficacious, effective grace. And this grace that we're talking about today, this divine grace that we're being encouraged by today, is given to you and to me. It is given to the saints, to the holy ones, to the ones that are filled with the spirit of the living God. This is to whom God is offering this incredible grace. Let's unpack this a little bit. The Bible here says that this grace, it comes to us from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ from both the Father and the Son. Matthew Henry, rightly so, He says, when we think about grace coming from the Father, we remember that every good and perfect gift, we're talking about gifts, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of heavenly lights. But the gifts that come to us from the Father come to us in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're a believer here this morning, Christ dwells within you. The Spirit of the living God lives in you. And all that God wants to grace you with and give to you is given in his Son, Jesus, and through him, through the one who lives within you. Let's unpack grace a little bit. I just said that grace is an undeserved gift, unmerited favor, It finds this grace, this gift from God, finds its fullest expression. It finds its fullest expression in the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, you could say this phrase, the gift of grace is Jesus. The ultimate gift of grace is Jesus. And all that is in him who he is, and all that he's done for you. When we think about having received grace, and it's been given to us in the person of Jesus Christ, we think about the gospel. This is good news. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? That the Son of God, the sinless one, came for you, and he died on the cross. He was buried, and he was raised again from the dead. For you, for you. we said this gift is unmerited he did this for you while you were still a sinner you didn't earn this it's a gift and all that is in Jesus salvation what else do you have in Jesus you have life Jesus said the thief only comes to kill, steal and destroy but I have come that you may have life And life to the full. When you have Jesus, you have life. You have life to the full. Eternal life. Because the wages of sin is death. But the gift, we're talking about grace, we're talking about gift. But the gift of God is eternal life. Where? Where is that eternal life? It's in Christ Jesus our Lord. You possess now eternal life. The fullness of life because you possess Jesus. You've received the gift of Jesus. And so you have all these things. And you have God's love that's been poured out into your heart through the Holy Spirit. This is the spirit of Jesus Christ himself who lives in your heart. God has poured out his heart. And you have fullness of joy. Fullness of joy in Jesus Christ. And you have peace. Furthermore, God has given you gifts for service like elders and deacons. They've been gifted by God for works of service. That's a gift that comes to us exactly through Jesus Christ, from Jesus Christ from the Spirit of Christ, from the Holy Spirit. And with those gifts that every single one of us has in this room, every one of you has been given gifts to serve in this church. And with those gifts, God also gives you power, power from the Holy Spirit to exercise those gifts. Not too long ago, I was speaking with somebody who is in the work world, And I'm telling you, there are so many that are really having a hard time in the work world. Whether you're teachers or nurses or you're in the business, the whole world is just, you know, it's, it's ruffled. It's out of whack. And... All the things that you used to do and you had your rhythm and you were in your ruts and you just kind of carried on, they're all distorted right now. The wagon tracks that you used to go in right now are all over the maps and you're hitting bumps and divots and and potholes all over the place. And fatigue is setting in for so many. You're just trying to make it through it one day at a time. I was praying with somebody, uh, uh, you know, not too long ago. And this person, uh, one of the shortest prayers that I've heard in a long time. Definitely not like Pastor John's prayers, but it was simply like this. Oh Lord, help me, help me, help me. Please give me strength today. Help me to be a light today. And then this person, you know, knew just like so many of you here and so many all over the place, was going to have to go into their environment where they work and make it through another day but not just make it through, but be a light. This was a Christian prayer. Help me. Help me. Help me. Three times. Isn't that the Apostle Paul's prayer? I prayed to the Lord three times to take this thorn away, this thorn that was in my flesh. And here's what God's answer was to the Apostle Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is is perfected in weakness. Power is perfected in weakness. He'll give you grace. He'll give you everything you stand in the need of to make it through another day. There are times he's going to let you uh, work all of this out in your weak body, in your afflicted body. He didn't say that he's going to bless your physical body with everything wonderful, wonderful. At times, he's going to bless you so much in your soul that no matter what your body's like, despite what your body is like, despite your lack of sleep, despite all of it, he's going to work what's pleasing in his sight, beautiful in his sight. He's going to sustain you, and he's going to make you shine in that earthen vessel of your body. His grace is sufficient for you, for his power is made perfect in weakness. Grace shows up 131 times in the New Testament. But this is remarkable. It shows up 130 times in the New Testament. But you, you know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Do you know how many times it shows up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? All of them together, which comprise almost half of the entire New Testament? Four times. It doesn't show up in Matthew. It doesn't show up in Mark. It only shows up one time in the book of Luke. And that's when Jesus was a baby. And some translations say that God's favor was upon him instead of using the word grace. And then it only shows up three times in the book of John. Four verses running right in the beginning in John chapter 1. But it's also interesting that Jesus himself never used grace. The word, grace, grace. Why? I suspect that the reason Jesus never had to speak the word of grace is because he is the expression of grace. He is grace personified. But when he told many of his parables, his parables were about grace, whether it's about the tax collector beating his chest saying, God, I'm not worthy. He doesn't even look up. Have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. He stands justified before God. But the greatest parable that I think that has ever been said, it's one of the greatest stories ever told. Jesus told us it. It about the prodigal son. Prodigal son, the man, good father. He's got an inheritance waiting for his sons. The older son, younger son, younger son wants it right away. Father, give me half of my possession, my inheritance. Father, Graciously gives his son half of the inheritance. Gives him half of his entire inheritance. The young man immediately goes out into the world, into a far-off country, and squanders it all on wild living and loose women. And he becomes a beggar. Poor. Can't sustain himself. He has to hire himself out. Hires himself out to a farmer who lets him feed pigs feed pigs. And this young man who had so much wealth now has nothing and he's not even given food to eat. He's feeding the pigs the pods and he is not even eating the pods that go to the pigs. He comes to his senses and he said, even my servants back home, they're eating? And he says, I'll go back to my father. And I will say to my father, Father, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. And so up and he goes, and as he approaches his home, his home, getting close to the father, but the father probably always had his eye out for his son. He saw his son from a distance, and he ran to his son. He embraced his son, and his son was a bedraggled lad, or young man, Probably ragged clothes, no shoes on his feet. A spectacle. And his father says, quick, bring the robe, the best robe. Put shoes on his feet and he puts a ring on his son's finger, indicating sonship. And he says, kill the fattened calf. Let's celebrate for this son of mine was dead, but now he's alive. You see, this is grace. The son was right. He tried to talk to his father. Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Can you see that? He actually was saying that. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me like, quick! The dad says, and all the things I just related to you. This is grace. This is more than mercy. If it had been just mercy, the father wouldn't have... Just turned him away, he would if, it was, if he had no mercy at all get away. You blew it, son. I don't, I don't even call you son anymore. If he was merciful, he would have let him work with the hired servants. But this is grace, upon grace, upon grace. Will you remember, will I remember, to show grace to others? Will we see others through the eyes of grace? When we see broken sinners, can we remember that but by the grace of God, there go I, and see others with the eyes of grace? Can you do it with people in your own family? For those who have been raised in the church, if you're older, and you see your son or your daughter struggling in their faith, and they're failing, And they're falling. You may have to speak words of discipline that flow from your love. But remember the prodigal son. Remember who you were before God showed his grace and mercy to you. Whether you've been raised in the church or whether you came crawling in off the street. It's no different. God showed grace to you. Grace, it's so wonderful. But how do you obtain grace? How do you come into possession of grace? And we must be careful here. We have said that grace is a free gift. You can't work for grace. You can't work for the gift. You can't earn it. And if you do try, you won't get it. God won't give you what he wants to give you if you're going to approach him and think you're going to earn it. I tried, teenager. I wanted to get right with God, I thought. Baptist came to my door, knocking at the door, I went out met them on the front porch. If you were to die today, John, do you know whether you're going to go to heaven or hell? I answered these questions. I wanted to get that right. But the presentation, it wasn't no fault with them. I give them all the credit, the Baptists who were doing that and had the courage to actually share the gospel. Praise God that there are still some people who have courage to do so. And they did. But the presentation came across to me. It was, if I did this thing, if I said this prayer, I was going to be okay with God. It was going to be my ticket to heaven as well. And I said the prayer. My trust was in the prayer that I had done this thing. And then I fell into even deeper sin. And then I went to a Lutheran church. No disrespect to the Lutheran church. hope they don't have any disrespect to our Christian Reformed church. No disrespect, but I went to a Lutheran church as a teenager, trying to deal with sin in my life, trying to get my life right with God after I'd said that prayer with the Baptists. I went through catechism classes, Luther's smaller catechism. I made my public profession of faith in front of the congregation. I did all these things that were right, and they were good. They were good. The catechism was good. It was true. But in my mind, and it was my fault not the churches. It was my fault. My approach to getting right with God was do these things. Do these things and you'll be right with God. And I fell into even deeper sin in time. And it wasn't until I was helpless in my sin at the age of 27, almost giving up that I could even do anything about my sin, get rid of my guilt, get rid of the condemnation that was over my head, And then in my helplessness, absolute childlike helplessness, in a martial arts school of all places, giving my life to Jesus Christ after hearing the gospel presented in such a pitiful way. And my prayer by my bed, as I was as helpless as a babe, and I mean absolutely helpless. Lord Jesus, if you can, save me from my sin. Some try to come to God and they have this kind of attitude. God, if you'll do this for me, if you get me out of this jam, if you do this for me or that, then I will trust you. I will give you my life. I'll even go to church. But it's still you in control. That's still you trying to earn your right relationship with God on your terms, you're going to make God jump through some hoops for you before you respond in childlike, humble, repentant faith. That's not grace. And you'll never receive the gift of grace that way. The only way to receive the gift of grace is you come to him humbly, as a child, because God gives grace to the humble. You come to him as a child, and whether you use these words or not, the heart is what matters. God, I am helpless. I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. I have nothing in my hands to bring. Help me. Have mercy on me. I need you, God. I believe in your son. I'm trusting him right now, what he did for me. Lord, save me. And he does, and he does. We call that grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. You begin this blessed life, this graced life, by trusting helplessly God. It's grace. You began with grace and now saints in the Lord. I want to remind you that Paul, at the beginning of this letter, said these words, grace to you. He's writing to Christians. And he's saying grace to you. The intention is is that what you began with, continue now. Paul's wanting to give a blessing of grace to them, that they can continue on because you begin in grace and you don't stop there. You don't stop with just receiving forgiveness of sins. You've got to grow in grace. Grace, the free unmerited favor, the gift of God, and all that is in him, all that is in Jesus, the love and the joy and the peace and the strength to make it through another day, the being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, even when you blow it again and again, and you will. We confessed our sins this morning. You're going to stumble at times. We pray that you don't. I pray that I don't. But when we do sin, God's grace is greater than all of our sins. You began with grace, knowing him. Know him more. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How? Be in the word of God. That's the means of grace. God wants to give you more and more, to give you his infinite promises, his infinite love. And as you read the word of God and you receive his promises, you take in his beautiful life into you as you contemplate it. He gives you grace upon grace, grace upon grace. It's because the gift is one that keeps on giving. More love, more joy, more peace. And then you pray, you pray, you seek his face, you continue to pray. Oh Lord God, I want you. Pray. Look to his face. And he gives you more delights, more blessings. It's inexhaustible. You're going to be unpacking what grace is all about on into eternity. As you behold Jesus, all the goodness that's in him, all the beauty, all the love, you never will exhaust his immeasurable love for you. Grow in it more. More. You'll never be bored, ever. And for all eternity, you're going to say, as you take it all in, just absolutely being stunned all your life, filled with wonder, I didn't deserve any of this. God, Father, I didn't deserve this. Thank you. That's the love of God. That's the grace of God. And I'm with you here this morning. I want to know this love. I want to know this grace more. This gift. This Jesus. Here's a new group. I'll finish with this. A new group called City of Light. Title of this song is I Want to Know You. I'll just read some of the lyrics. I tried in vain a thousand times. thousand ways, my fears to quell, my hopes to raise. But what I need, your word has said, is ever only Jesus. You died, you live, you reign, you plead. There's love in all your words and deeds. This weary heart finds all it needs in ever only Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus, my Lord, King of the heavens, King of my soul. I trade my treasures and all my rewards, Jesus, to know you. And then know you more. Though some should curse me for your name, I have no fear, I have no shame. You stand with me for all my days, my ever only Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus my Lord, King of the heavens, King of my soul. I trade my treasures and all my rewards, Jesus, to know you, then know you more. Like wave after wave on the ocean, like all of the sand on the shore, your beauty and glory are endless, O Jesus. I must know you more. I want to know you, Jesus, my Lord, King of the heavens, King of my soul. I trade my treasures and all my rewards, Jesus, to know you, then know you more. Let's pray. From your gracious heart, from your loving heart, from your faithful heart, from your compassionate heart, Lord, we pray that you would give us a deeper experience of your love and that, Lord, we would be those who receive more and more of your grace. And all of it through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.